Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I want to give you just a very quick update, if I could, before I begin this morning. Um, we had some very exciting news related to our building process and our building plans this last week. I know you probably thought I forgot about it. It's been a few months since I've mentioned it and brought it up. We've kind of been in a holding pattern up to this point, waiting uh, on some actual plans that we could look at. And so we got those this week based on the kind of the concept we presented to you guys a few months ago. I've asked you to be praying about it. We got those plans this week and are now in the process of pricing those plans. What that means is for our congregation in... Probably about six weeks, we're hoping maybe a little bit sooner, but by the end of August, we'll be able to come to the church and say, here's an actual plan, here's an actual cost, do we want to do this? Um, So the church is going to make that decision, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever that looks like when we get those back. And we want to be as transparent as we can, as open as we can. You can have the plans if you want them. I got them in my office. Uh, They're about 200 pages. I looked at them the other day and, you know, a lot of it I don't understand, but I could understand the floor print and the big picture. You're welcome to look at them. Once we get pricing, we'll present that to you guys and we'll know definitely this is what we can do. This is what it's going to cost us. Do we want to do it? So in the meantime, I want you to continue to pray about it. Continue to trust the Lord. It's a big decision for our church. A lot of things that have to happen between now and then. But as the Lord continues to send us families and children, uh, we've got to expand our facilities and move forward and continue to reach people for Christ. And so be in prayer. Uh, be seeking the Lord, trusting the Lord. As soon as I know more definite, I'll present that to the church. Between now and then, if you have specific questions, if you want to see the plans, call me. My door is always open. You're welcome to come and sit down with me, look through them, look at them online, whatever you want to do uh, as you pray through this process and seek the Lord and trust the Lord. So when we get closer to time and we have the plans and we have a cost, we'll do question and answer sessions again. We'll let you uh, look at anything you want to look at and help you make the decision. But I just want you to be praying about it, trusting the Lord. It's a big decision, exciting decision for our church, kind of in culmination with the 50th anniversary you heard about earlier uh, this morning. So just be praying. God's doing good things. Uh, We're still growing and reaching people for Christ, and we want to be good stewards of the people he sends so we can continue to send people out into the world to share the gospel. So you be in prayer, and as soon as we know more, we will share that with you, hopefully in the next several weeks, okay? All right, I'm going to pray for us now. We're going to jump in to the study of God's Word. Father, we love you, and we serve you, and we thank you for what you're doing in our church. Uh, Lord, 50 years now almost of, of your faithfulness. Lord, you've just been good to this church. Lord, you've been good to the ministries of this church. We've always had, through your power, the opportunity to share the gospel and lead people to Christ. Lord, we've always seen growth. We've always seen good things happen, Lord. And we just want to continue to trust you with that, Father. So we ask that you would continue to bless our church. Continue to bless the ministries of this church, Father. Continue to call us into the world to give us the the courage and the strength to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that need to hear. And Father, we'll trust you with everything you do. I pray for our time right now as we open up the truth of your word. Lord, give us understanding. Give us clarity. Give us the eyes we need to, to discern and to apply this to our lives. And Father, as we pray every Sunday morning, we pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. We will be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning and open to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 
15 exciting things are happening at our church this summer. I've been talking a lot about this over the course of the last several weeks. The team that we commissioned for Alaska and went to Alaska the last week or so landed safely this morning. We had a fantastic week in the Anchorage area and the Wasilla area sharing Christ, ministering in those uh, city parks. Great things happened through that team. They're home safely now. Our Endeavor team, the three young girls, the three 16-year-old girls, my daughter was one of them, so I was excited that they landed safely Friday night from a month in Hungary. They did great things. People came to Christ. They discipled people in Christ. We've still got a lot of uh, interesting and exciting trips coming up. Romania is coming up this summer. We've still got a Guatemala trip in the fall. We have two South Asia trips. And then we just start all over again beginning of next year. We've already planned our s- trips for next year, all of our mission opportunities. We've got some new exciting stuff that we're going to be sharing with you that we're trying to roll out new opportunities. The Lord is open for us. But you continue to be in prayer that this church would be very serious about going into the world and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll promise you, as long as, as long as I'm the pastor of this church, we're not going to sit still and be comfortable. We're going to go and we're going to send and we're going to challenge our people to reach the world for Christ. We've given you just such an opportunity this week because starting today and for the rest of this week is what we call Mission LaGrange. Now, if you're new with us this morning or you haven't been here in a while or aren't quite certain about Mission LaGrange, let me just explain it to you very simply. Mission LaGrange is the week when we send all the people of our church in into this community to do various mission projects. If you've been down our breezeway right here behind the worship center, you probably noticed all the posters on the wall. Those are the various different ministries we have. At the top is the name of the ministry, a contact person, and then people have been signing up now for several weeks to be involved. I want to encourage you and really challenge you like I've done for the past several weeks. We want you to do something. We don't want you to sit idly by and wonder what Mission LaGrange is about. We don't want you to sit around and wonder what your neighbor's going to do. We don't want you to come next week so you can hear the stories. We want you to be involved in this process. And so we've designed this in such a way that there are various different opportunities for you to be involved in. There are various different times during the week. In fact, we've got a schedule of Mission LaGrange, all the different ministries. They're color-coded throughout the week. There are things happening in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. So regardless of of when you work or what you may be doing this week, there should be a chance for you to serve. And so I just want to again challenge you this morning, do something, be involved somewhere, be a beacon of light in our community, sign up today. It's still not too late. In fact, if you decide you want to sign up today, you're going to have to kind of take the initiative and call the leader because they may not see your name on the sheet today, but sign up today if you want to be involved, do something. Now I've been challenging and kind of carrying this torch for the past several weeks and, and all my sermons the last few weeks have kind of challenged us to go and to do and to be and so I thought, you know, this morning, the, the last day before we kind of go out into the community for this week, I wanted to again think about what the Lord has called us to do and who he's called us to be and as I prayed through and thought through, I was kind of reminded this week, as we know, we're going to encounter a lot of different people in Mission LaGrange. 
We've kind of set this up in such a way that you're going to have opportunities on a very regular basis to have conversations with people in our community. And I thought, you know what, what should we be challenged with this morning? What word from the Lord should we hear as we go into the community? And so I just started thinking about the hope we have in the Lord and how He uses us for the sake of His kingdom. And I thought, you know, let's just think about the hope. Let's just think about what Christ has given us and, and how He's blessed us and how we're going to talk a lot more about this in just a minute, how we ought to take that hope and we ought to take that joy and we ought to take that peace that Christ has given us and now in turn give to others. Right? It's not not about hiding our light under a little bushel. You remember the old little kid song? It's about letting it shine for the world to see. It's about giving it away. It's about loving people in the name of Christ. And so this morning we're going to look at Romans chapter 15 because Paul is going to really challenge us in the way we live and especially the way we deal with others. Now Romans 15 is is really all about Christ as the book of Romans is of course. But it's all about the hope specifically we find in Christ. And so Paul has kind of been going through in chapter 15 uh, several different verses, this idea of hope in Christ. And then he kind of finishes this little section in Romans chapter 15 with verse 13. It's a simple little reminder. It's a simple little prayer that we would remember what the Lord has done in our lives. And so I just want to read this this morning, be challenged by this, and then figure out how to take the truth in this verse, apply it to our lives, use it for the sake of the kingdom in LaGrange and surrounding Troop County this week. Okay? So, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. We have it on the screen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Short, concise, very powerful. Let's read it together this morning if we could, okay? Read the version on the screen. I know we have different versions where we're sitting, but let's read it from the screen this morning together. Romans 15, 13. Let's go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now I want to give you some truth this morning. You can apply to your lives Really every day, but specifically this week during Mission LaGrange. Here's the first truth. We have it on the screen. Number one. We serve the God of hope. That's a really big deal. We serve the God of hope. Now that ought to bring an awful lot of comfort to you because we don't serve the God of hatred or bitterness or anger. We serve a God of hope and that's uncommon in the world. You should know that. You know, we we go to these other places and we do ministry work in, in, in really all parts of the world. And we go to these different places and we see the way these people worship and the gods they serve. And, and uh, I, I personally think about South Asia. I've had a lot of experience there talking with those people and the gods they serve. And <clears throat> you go into these cities and into these houses and they all have these little shrines. They, they all have these little idols. And so you go into a house and there's, there's an idol box in the corner and it's their personal God they serve. It's the God of their family. And in order to make that God happy, they give gifts. So they will <clears throat> put food on the altar. They'll light a candle. They'll offer some sort of a sacrifice to that God. It happens all over that part of the world. They do that because they believe they serve a God that will be angry with them if they don't appease Him. 
And so they give him stuff and they sacrifice stuff to him, hoping to make him happy because they don't serve a God of hope. They serve a God of anger and a God of wrath. And I thought, you know, as as we see this just simple little phrase here, as Paul says it, bring up verse 13 again for me. Just the very beginning of verse 13, may the God of hope, that's a big deal for us. That's a big deal to remember the hope we find in Christ. Now we use that word hope a lot, don't we? So I just wanted to be clear just for a few minutes. You probably woke up this morning and you thought something like, man, I hope it doesn't rain on me this morning. I hope I don't get wet walking to church. I hope uh, my, my sports team plays well this week or I hope they play well in the fall or maybe I hope to get that new job. Or I hope. We throw that word around a lot, right? But when we use the word hope, usually there's a lot of uncertainty tagged with it. Like, I hope it doesn't rain. We have no real idea whether or not it's really going to rain. I hope my team wins. We don't really know if they're going to win. I hope I get the job. I I don't really know if we're really going to get it. So with hope in the way we use it, there's an awful lot of uncertainty. But this is very important because I don't want to miss this when we talk about the God of hope. Biblical hope is certain because it rests upon the promises of God. Now, just a little bit of theology, just so we're clear on this. When God makes promises, He keeps them. Did you know that? When God says, I'm going to do this, He's going to do it. Now, we live in a world, and we've probably all been burned at some point in the past, with somebody that promised to do something and didn't do it. We've probably been that person to somebody else, if we were honest. So we live in a world where promises don't necessarily mean what they ought to mean. But we need to kind of take a step back from that and and separate ourselves from that to understand the truth of God's Word is when He promises to do things, He will do them. And, And so you don't have to question whether or not He can provide hope. He will. He's promised to. You don't have to question if he's going to provide strength. He's promised to. He will. I think about all these scriptures that, that talk about who the Lord is and, and what he's done. E- examples like Isaiah 40, 29. Here's a promise of the Lord. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. I just wonder how many of us as believers have, have faced that moment of weakness That moment where we didn't feel strong, where something was bothering us, and we sensed the power and the presence of the Lord increasing our strength when we were unable. We've all experienced that. God's a God of promise. Psalm chapter 41, verse 6. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. I wonder how many of us have experienced times where we're going through difficulty or struggles, and in those moments we've sensed the power or the strength or the refuge of Christ. Even in our weakness, the Lord strengthens and encourages us. Why? Because He's a God of promise. Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. John chapter 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. There is hope in Christ because He's a God of promises. I think about these mission teams that we send out and all the things they go through and and all the people they see. and, And we always pray for them. We always encourage them and we challenge them and we commission them to go. And we always send them with this hope that they're going to do something. 
We're not just going because it's fun to go or a vacation. We're going because we want to reach people for Christ. And so we send them with this hope in Christ based on the promises of Scripture that when they go and when they trust the Lord, great things will happen. And so here's what we have to do as believers. This this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where it's important for you in your day-to-day walk. This is where it's important for you in this week specifically with Mission the Grange. One of the callings of a believer is to take the truth of the hope of Christ and to give it away to other people. Did you know that? Part of what you ought to be doing when you're interacting with people is sharing this very same hope. You ought to be helping people to understand, listen, I serve a God of hope. And I know you're struggling with this situation. I know you're going through this difficult time. But there is absolutely real hope in Christ. There's real hope in this God that we serve. I serve a God of hope. And I'd like to share with you some of the hope He's given me. Because see, here's what people have a tendency to do. Believers do it as well. Unbelievers especially do it. We have this tendency to think that as we walk through difficult situations, God either is not at work or He won't work again in our lives. And so we, get, we kind of get boxed in in this bad situation or this struggle or difficulty of life and we just can't understand how God's working or we're unsure where He's going to work. And we need to be reminded that even as we struggle, God is still at work. Even as we walk through difficulties, God is still at work. Well, one writer explained it like this. I love how he kind of walked through several of these examples in Scripture. Thinking about the idea that God is still working in our lives even in difficulties. He said, God was not done when Noah was in the boat. Or when Sarah was barren. When Joseph was in prison. When Moses was on the run from Pharaoh and the children of Israel were pinned against the Red Sea when the walls of Jericho blocked possession of the promised land. When Gideon was hiding from the Midianites. When Samson was seduced by a woman and blinded. When Ruth was widowed. When David was mocked as a boy facing a giant. When Job's children were all killed. When government officials persecuted Daniel. When Jonah was in the belly of a fish. When Paul couldn't get rid of the thorn. When Jesus was put in the grave. Hope is not undone because he is not done. He's at work. And so the application for you is that even in the struggles of life that you're facing right now, there's hope in Christ. And as you experience that hope, you begin to give it away to the people that you're around. And they begin to sense and understand that there's real hope in Christ as well. But Paul doesn't finish there. Pull the verse back up if you would for me, please. Verse 13. He begins with the idea of hope, right? So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Here's the second truth I want to get out of verse 13. We've seen that we serve a God of hope, number one. Number two, that God of hope will fill us with joy and peace. The God of hope will fill us with joy and peace. Bring bring that verse back up for me if you would please because I want to show you something. I think this is very important here. We're going to get back to this in just a second, but I want you to notice it because I want you to miss it here in a few minutes. May the God of hope, what's the word? Fill you. There's a sense of abundance. There's a sense of filling. Set that aside. We're going to get to it in a second, but I want want that to be kind of the overall idea that you see in this middle section of this verse. There's this idea of filling with joy and peace. That's a big deal because the world lacks joy and peace. Did you know that? Did you know that's what the world's looking for? 
I, I challenged you last week with the idea of the three circles. I had the whiteboard up here and I drew the three circles. You may remember that. And I challenge you to share it one, with somebody this week. I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hand if you did. But I hope you did. I did. I told you to hold me accountable. I shared it last week. Drew it out on a sheet of paper. Great opportunity to share faith with this guy. The easy part of that whole model is the first circle, the right top hand circle, where we write brokenness. It's easy because everybody gets brokenness. Like You don't have to spend a lot of time explaining that to people. Like They get it. Yeah, brokenness. I get it. Disease, sickness, death hardship, divorce, I, I get it, right? They understand that we kind of live in this world of brokenness. And what we do with that little example and what we did last week is we say, you know, people try to get out of brokenness a lot of different ways. They, they try to get out of it with education. They, they try to get out of it with uh, marrying the right person. They, they try to get out of it with success. And, and so what people do in the world is they look for this idea that maybe the word they would use is happiness. They look for ways to find happiness to get out of brokenness but they're looking in the wrong places. And they place their hope, not in the God of hope, but in the things of the world. I, I did a little research this week. I, th I thought it would be interesting to see how many books and articles and online publications I could find about hope, and they abound, by the way, of finding happiness. You can read hundreds of books or articles, magazine, online, about finding hope, about finding joy, about finding peace. There are all sorts of people that want to help you find happiness. And here's the struggle of a lot of the world. Here, here's where a lot of people kind of uh, get heading in the wrong direction. They think they can find this joy or this hope or this peace in the things of the world, right? And, and they say something like this, if I just had a little more of this or a little more of that or, or a little better job. And, and sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking, if I just had a little bit more money, maybe you've joked, you know, if I just won the lottery, if I could just win the lottery, right, I could be happy and fulfilled. I found a, a fascinating article about the lottery. I thought it was very interesting because a lot of times people uh, think that's the way out and that's their ticket to happiness. And, and of course, I know none of y'all are ever going to win because none of y'all play, right? Is that right? Y'all like, did he see me in a convenience store last week? Scratching that, scratching that thing off. I thought I had my hat down over my eyes. I didn't know anybody said. This article says that lottery winners, a couple of interesting things about lottery winners. The first thing, you may already know this, about 75% or more of lottery winners, I mean like over a million dollars or more, within three years have squandered all their money. Do you know that? It's gone. They just blow it, man. They get all this money. They don't know how to manage it. They just blow it. It's gone. But the other interesting thing that I just thought was, was pretty uh, sad, really, this research team interviewed all these lottery winners, and they compared them to non-winners, right? So the people that hit it big versus the people that didn't hit it at all, the study found that the overall happiness levels of lottery winners spiked when they won, but returned to pre-winning levels just a few months later. <laughs> In terms of overall happiness, the lottery winners were not significantly happier than the non-winners. We buy into this lie that stuff or success or whatever the world says will bring us happiness and joy and peace when it only really comes from the God of hope. And we need to be sharing that. Now pull that verse up again. I said I wanted to show you something here a few minutes ago. I think it's very important for us to understand. May the God of hope, let's read this, not out loud, just look at it with me as I'm reading it. May the God of hope give you just a tiny bit of joy and peace, right? Or may the God of hope just give you a couple of drops of joy. May, may the God of hope just give you enough to sustain you for a couple of days. Or does it instead say, may the God of hope, what's the word? 
fill you with joy. So let's just be clear, believer. It's not about having just a little bit of joy or barely enough peace or a little bit of it. It's about being filled to the point of overflow. Right? It's to the point of being filled with overflow. You've got so much joy and so much peace in believing in the God of hope that you're filled up. And eventually when you're filled up, things begin to spill out, don't they? We take our kids to Six Flags usually every summer. We, we have done that the last several years. And if you've been to Six Flags lately, you know that kind of in uh, one part of the park is this thing they call Hurricane Harbor. It's like a mini water park. Maybe you've seen it. And it's kind of fun because you go to Six Flags and it's really hot. You know, you're riding rides all day. And at some point, whenever you just open all day, but at some point during the afternoon, we usually go and put on our bathing suits, swim for a little while, slide down the water slides, get cooled off, change back into our clothes and ride some more rides before the park closes. We've done that the last several years. Well, in Hurricane Harbor, kind of in the middle, there's, there's this big tower and all these water slides come off of it and all these stairs going up to it. But at the very top is this bucket. And the bucket, I mean, it may be 10 feet in diameter. It's a big, tall bucket sitting at the very top. And that bucket slowly fills with water. So you're watching it, and, and it's slow. You can't see the water. You know that it's filling up. You don't know how much longer it's got. And what begins to happen is it fills up. People begin to kind of congregate below it. Because what they know is that bucket is going to... Some of y'all have seen this. I can tell by the look on your face. You stood under it, some of you. I'm not standing under it because it's a lot of water. It fills up and fills up and fills up. When it gets to a certain point, that bucket, you can watch it. There's videos online if you haven't seen it. It slowly tips. And all of a sudden, as it gets to a certain point, the water is too heavy. And the whole bucket just tips over. And hundreds... If if not thousands of gallons of water come pouring down on top of these people's heads. And so there's a group of people that get soaked and they know it. They're looking for it. You know, they're, they're watching it. And it's a fun thing to do. It takes, I don't know, five or six minutes for it to fill up. It dumps out again all day long. It does that. I thought, you know, this is kind of a, a silly little analogy, a silly, silly little example. But our, our lives in Christ kind of ought to be like that bucket. Like we ought to be filled up with joy and we ought to be filled up with peace. And we ought to be filled up with the God of hope so much that our buckets get to the point that they're overflowing. They tip out and that joy and that hope and that peace fall upon people that are around us. You understand what I'm saying? So, so these people kind of get drenched with the peace of God because we've just got so much it's just overflowing. Or these people get drenched with this joy or, or with this hope. Now that's kind of counterintuitive for a lot of us because sometimes we like to grumble, don't we? <laughs> I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to your neighbor. I can see y'all looking at him. Are you talking to me? <laughs> Sometimes we like to complain, right? Sometimes if we were very honest, when we walk into a room, Christian, you're not the Christian of joy. You're not a person of peace. There's not a whole lot of hope you're giving out to people. And yet Paul says, listen, we need to be filled with with these things. We need to be filled with joy. We need to be filled with peace. Let the God of hope fill us with these things so we can in turn fill others. So we can in turn give to others. Now a lot of us justify not being joyful and not finding peace because we say something like this. Listen, uh, the writers of Scripture were obviously very godly. Obviously things went pretty well for them. Life must have been pretty easy. That's why they were able to find joy and peace. Obviously the Lord was blessing them. They were in a good place. Nothing bad ever happened. So that's why they were able to be hopeful. That's why they could find joy. That's why they could find peace. Well, I want to be very, very clear with this passage of Scripture here. 
as we talk about hope and joy and peace, we're not denying the reality of sorrow or grief or real concern because that happens. We're not saying that the world is a rosy, easy place. Paul's not saying that. In fact, Paul is filled with sorrow and anguish and he talks over and over about being sorrowful and about having nothing and about difficult situations. That's kind of who Paul is. He had a really difficult life. We're not saying those things don't exist. What we're saying instead is that in the midst of those things, because God is a God of hope, in the midst of the struggle, he can still fill us with joy and with peace and with hope. One writer said it like this, He said the Christian life is God's empowering presence in the midst of life's uncertainties. What are we doing to share that joy and to share that peace and to share that hope? It's not about taking it and hiding it under the bushel. It's about letting our light shine and reaching people for Christ. I saw this little interesting video online this last week. It was one of these hidden camera videos of a homeless man. I don't know if some of you guys may have seen it or not. And this guy's on the street corner, and he's got a sign out, and he's, he's asking for donations, and he looks uh, like he's in a pretty bad place. And so the hidden camera's watching him, and one of the guys on the hidden camera walks up to him, hands him a $100 bill. Now, the guy's mic, so you can hear him. Homeless guy is uh, standing there, doesn't know he's on camera. Guy gives him a $100 bill. Homeless guy says, this is, I mean, this is too much, man. I don't, I mean, are you sure? I don't think you need to give me 100 And the guy's like, no, no, I insist. I want to bless you. It's yours. Guy walks away, homeless man is left there. He thought by himself, he's on camera, they're filming him, right? And so for the next couple of minutes, you see him, he's, he's stunned, he's bewildered. I can't believe I had this money. So he, he packs his stuff up, puts his little sign away, he's got a little bag, takes it and he begins to walk and the camera follows him. The camera followed him, followed him, and followed him all the way into the liquor store. I did what you just did, mm. Yep, I'm already judging the guy, right? And I'm, I'm getting frustrated, right? I kind of feel the frustration. I'm like, $100? He done a lot with $100. He's going to go drink it away in a liquor store. What's this guy doing? I'm getting frustrated, right? I'm judging him, right? And a couple minutes later, he comes out of the liquor store. He's got this big bag with him. I'm like, how much did he buy? What's he going to do with all this? So he walks down the street. They say, let's keep following him, right? So they keep following him down the street, hidden camera. And you can tell they're, you know, they're kind of around a corner. And they see him. He's sidewalking. He walks into this park. He walks into a park and he walks over to this part of the park with all these other people sitting at these park benches and he reaches into his bag and he begins to pull out food and he starts handing it to these people. Here's some food for you. Here's some food for you. Here's some food. He goes to another section of the park. Here's some. He walks around. Here's some food for you. And after a few minutes, the camera guys are like, this is unreal. We've got to talk to this guy. So they walk up to him again. They say, listen, we've been filming you. We were curious what you were going to do. Why are you doing this? And the guy said, you know what? I'm in need, yes. That money is great. But these people are in need too. I mean, they're homeless like I am. There's some good people here. And he starts talking about the reasons they're homeless and some of the struggles they've had. And he said, you know, I just want to help them. You help me. I want to help you. And I thought, what a, what a great example for the Christian walk. Right? Our, our calling is to take this joy and hope and this gift that the Lord has given us. And instead of hoarding it up, the idea is to give it away. The, the idea is to find kind of other people that are in need just like we were and to give them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the question becomes, what are we doing with the hope we have? Are we content just kind of keeping it to ourselves and to our family and to our little part of the world? Or are we actively figuring out ways, how, how can I share this joy? 
How can I share this peace? How can I share this hope? How can I allow my bucket to be filled to the point of overflowing so that I go and pour out on somebody else that needs to hear this truth? We, we've kind of set this up for you guys this week with this mission, LaGrange. We've given you a, a, literally a softball for you to knock out of the park with the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're, we're, if you'll do Mission LaGrange, we're going to put you in opportunities when you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to uh, offend you or, or hurt your feelings, but I just want to say it as clearly as I know how to say it. What a shame it would be if we did all these incredible mission opportunities all around LaGrange and loved on people and gave food away and did construction and did crafts for these kids. What, what, a, what a shame it would be if we did all of those things and nobody actually shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with those people in need. I and mean, what a shame it would be if we came back next week and we said, you know, we did a lot of good things. We loved people. We were compassionate and caring. But nobody actually shared the gospel. We just didn't have the chance to do it. That's not who Paul's called us to be. That's not who he's called us to be. And we can love people and we should. And we can be kind and we should. And we can do things and we should. But ultimately it comes down to the gospel of Christ. He's given us the joy and the peace and the hope and we need to share it. Now I need to finish up. Look at verse 13 again. Let's finish this thing up. Right? Because some of us are afraid. Right? How do I do this? The God of hope, yes. I've experienced joy and peace. I get that. But what do I do with this? I'm a little afraid. Look at what Paul says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the, what's the word? Power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in Hope. Here's truth number three. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will experience that same hope. Right? The Spirit of the Lord is going to give you the power to share your faith, to share that hope, to abound in that hope, to abound in joy, to abound in peace. It's through the power of the Spirit that all of these things happen. You know, you think about like a little light bulb. A light bulb is incredibly useful as long as you supply it with power. Right? All of this stuff in this sanctuary and all this equipment and all this stuff that we have lit up and the screens, all that is useful without electricity. Power goes off somewhere in town, we lose all of it, right? All this fancy high dollar stuff, none of it works without electricity. Our lives are like that with the Spirit of the Lord. Did you know that? Without the Spirit of the Lord working in our hearts, we're useless like these lights would be. Without the power of the Lord working in our church, we're useless. I mean, if we're not going to allow the Spirit to move us to action, to move us to serve, if we're not, not going to allow the Spirit to empower us, we're basically just a glorified social club, aren't we? We show up and talk and hear good talk from somebody every morning, every Sunday morning. We fellowship, drink a little coffee, feel good about ourselves, go home. That's just a social club. But as we allow the Spirit to, to infuse into our hearts and into our lives, we do great things for His kingdom. Not in our own strength, not in our own power, but in the power of the Spirit working through us to reach the world for Christ. And we, we've been given this incredible gift. We serve a God of hope 
who fills us with joy and peace in believing and then through the power of the Spirit, we can abound in that very same hope, sharing it with others, allowing it to spill over into the lives of people around us, giving us this chance to share with the world what they so desperately want and what we have for free. Christ has given us this chance to do something with it. The question is not what should we do. The question is are you going to have the courage to do it? Use this week as an opportunity, folks. Think of yourselves as this bucket filled with His joy, filled with His hope, filled with the love of Christ. Go into the world and pour out on other people. Love them in the name of Christ. Share Jesus. Share the three circles. Lead people to Christ. Allow the Holy Spirit to empower you so the glory of the Lord will be made known in this community for the sake of Christ, for the sake of His kingdom, for His glory, and for His honor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this passage of Scripture. We thank you that we serve the God of hope who fills us with peace and with joy. And through the power of the Spirit, Lord, that hope abounds in our lives. Lord, I pray we would share that with other people. I pray it'd spill out into the world on the people around us. I pray they would experience joy. They would experience hope and love, Father, because of all you've given us. Lord, give us the courage to be the men and women of God you've called us to be, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ this week. Lord, may this community be changed because of the power of the Spirit working through us, through our faithfulness, Lord. Do great, great things in our midst, Father. We love you and serve you and give you all the praise and honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.